I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're talking about Batman Adventures issue 14 that came out October 5th, 1993. Robin keeps Gotham safe while Batman was off in Paris having a romantic tryst. See? You don't even need Batman. <laughs> Jason, real quick, what'd you think? What'd you think? What'd you think of Batman Adventures 14? I thought it was great. Uh, I had uh, I had sleigh bells just playing in my head. Not the like instrument sleigh bells, but you know the uh, the the indie rock band sleigh bells. I, I was going to say, out. this is not the holiday issue. <laughs> this is not the Christmas issue. The 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 one with uh oh yeah shit it's not wow did you well, read the Christmas you know issue. No, no, no. I read the one with uh, Robin and the ventriloquist and okay, he's back from, okay. he's back from college and yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. In my mind. Wow. I, in your what, mind, what it week? was a holiday issue, man. What a week, what a, man. What a what week. week kids. <laughs> okay. what, what, what a week. I've, Look, we've been having here at right. second finest kids. All right, Jason, here's the thing. And I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Mm. I don't really have a, you know, when we were doing nightfall, we did. Nightfall, but, but now it's night. Night quest, the crusade, and I, and I don't have a catchy hook for it or anything. Do you? Do you have something in your pocket? You got something? You're ready to go? How do you? What makes you? What vibe do you think Night Quest has? What was um, the name of that video game series? I think it was a, a original PlayStation series. Um, Abe's Odyssey. What was the actual yeah, uh, uh, Odd World? Odd World. Yeah, yeah. This is like you know, like Bat World. Jean Paul's Odyssey Crusade. <laughs> That's how you feel. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. I, 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 I don't know if I can turn that into a catchy hook for to introduce our Night Quest books, but we'll, we'll we'll table that discussion for now. We'll figure out something for the next pod. How about that? Listen, listen, if they want to title this this freaking arc or whatever the hell it is they're calling it Night Quest, the Crusade, the whatever, like they're they're already giving me a song like a prog rock song title. OK, I can't. Really oh, be yeah, it does have a prog rock. does have a prog rock vibe. Yeah. yeah. OK. Shadow of the Bat 19 and 20 were on stands written by Alan Grant and drawn by Vince Girano. Why is it double shipping? Because it's Night Quest. No numbers, but it has the Night Quest, the Crusade banner kicks off with Big Mike's birthday. Now you might think Big Mike is a big guy, but here's the thing. He's just a little guy and it's his just birthday. A just yeah, a little he's guy. A little, he's a little friend. He's just a little crime friend. <laughs> little, little, little crime boss friend. Big Mike stays profitable and safe by doing organized crime, but just like a little bit of organized crime as a treat to stay off of Batman's radar. During the party, who should jump out of the cake? But the tally man, the tally man is kind of like if Slender Man had a tall top hat, a thing for frilly dress, a chain wallet, and then two automatic submachine guns. Yeah, tally man was hired to collect a debt from Big Mike and his and his brother. He kills Big Mike and the rest of the party and then goes to find his brother. Meanwhile, John Paul Batman is in a sensory deprivation tank. He's all like, who am I? What's my purpose? Why is the Order of St. Dumas creating a vast empire in the shadows of untold riches that needs, needs me as a killing machine? 
And he's like, have you ever just like looked at your hands? <laughs> my, my hands can touch anything but themselves. <laughs> While John Paul is in the tank, Big Mike's brother Johnny gets to gets the drop on him. Or so he thinks John Paul turns the tables on them by setting it up like he's in one tank, but then he's actually in another tank. So he gets out of the second tank, beats up Johnny and his goons, puts them in the tank. Tallyman catches up with them after John Paul leaves and murders them. Tallyman then fights Batman in a construction site because, of course, we get an origin for Tallyman that's kind of boring and not worth getting into. They fight almost to a stalemate. Both are exhausted. John Paul Batman says, I'm not your puny Batman. I'm the punishing angel Azrael, the harbinger of death. <laughs> and the program says to kill Tallyman. But John Paul resists his Azrael pro- programming and lets him live. Bullock picks up Tallyman. John Paul Batman drives home. Jason, what did you think of Shadow and the Bat 19 and 20? Okay. So most people, I would imagine, have a favorite fast food, right? Like, sure, sure. My, my favorite fast food is like living on the East Coast. The best like fast food burgers I can get are like Five Guys. So like, you know, Five Guys, my, my favorite fast food. It's not like ever the best burger, you know? Sure. But like it, it's good and like you don't always feel the best about it afterwards. I, you know? I like that you're I like that you're kicking off this review with putting Five Guys on notice. Put them on the list of enemies. Five guys, we're coming after you. No, 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 because here's my point, because I do love five guys, but or like micro, the microwave burritos I love is like my favorite, like lazy food. Right. OK, but I know they're not the best for me and I know they don't taste even that good, but I just I, I love them so much. <laughs> sure, sure. And this is, this is the way I feel about these Shadow of the Bat issues that like there's there's just the the nostalgia factor of like this, yeah. like really clunky kind of like dark backgrounds for everybody and then there's this great now this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment but i promise you it's not the artwork has this great like hey the kids really like jay lee style i want to be like jay lee circa the 90s like jay lee like hell shock remember hell shock this does feel like a backhanded compliment jason and i won't stand for it vince (laughs) Girano crushed this issue dude oh he did no 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 he did i'm just all I could think of, though, for because of the story and yeah. because of the art style sure. was fuck. And I forgot who write it, wrote it now. But Alan uh, Grant. Maybe, no, no, no. This this other book I'm thinking of. Remember, uh, there was like this like early on an image. There is this like special edition miniseries drawn by Jay Lee called Wildcats Trilogy. And I forgot who wrote it. God, I don't, I don't remember this I, at all. I know Jay Lee drew it. And it was yeah. bef- and it was before he kind of got into his more like uh, brushwork style that he used on Inhumans. Yeah. Early, you know? early Jay Lee looks a lot like uh, has a lot of Simon Beasley energy to it. Yeah. Yeah. And this kind of stuff really affected me a lot as a kid because I remember being like 12 and 13 and being obsessed with getting the right kind of nibs and the yeah. right kind of ink. And like and I have these great sensory memories and I still to this day, even though I do it seldomly love the little scratch of the pen nib on Bristol board. And like, oh, I can yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. like hear that when I look at like how many lines, Jeremy how Hahn, many man, Jeremy Hahn swears by nibs. I, he was so into them and I've, I sat next to him at a couple cons and I was watching him use, do the pen nibs and you hear the scratching and there's kind of like this, this 
it it feels very tactile and physical. And I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I'm gonna get into nibs. And then I got a set, and I was like, this fucking sucks. Like, oh, why so is he hard. doing it this way? <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard to master. It's yeah, so yeah. hard to. That that's what I really loved about it is that is that it was that's why I had the fast food analogy where like I know I, like I know it's not the best. I know that even in my older age, I don't prefer this kind of stuff. But like every once in a while, you get some McDonald's and like you're like, dude, yes, this, hits this the issue. Spot. So scratchy as hell art. Uh, yeah, everything, everything that Vince drew looked good. Like even the clunky, weird Batmobile of this era. Yeah, he like exaggerated some of the fins and it looks like sinister and wild. And I was like, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. There's there's a shot. There's a shot in the opening of 19 where Batman's like it's a full page splash of him just like jumping out at some goons. And I, I, I texted it to you because I was like, fuck, yes. Fuck oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm. We talked about uh, Batman 500 and how you were like, oh, I wish it was like a little bit stronger of an artist or, or you know, you were talking about Magnolia. I was like, I wish it went the other way and was a little more 90s. I wish they got Vince to do Batman 500. I feel like it would have really, really sung. Yeah, yeah. It would have really worked with the the the, the overtly dark storyline the whole vibe it all clicks together in a very 90s way that is incredibly fun yeah it it reminds me of um recently like so i have some friends who are like really into professional wrestling you know sure and the way like a lot of people like especially a lot of like adults who are really really into maybe i shouldn't qualify it as that but like a lot of people who are really into professional wrestling like everybody knows it's a show right and everybody knows that the storylines are are mostly silly and that the acting that they do in it isn't even really that good, but they fucking love it anyway, because it's just like yeah. opera, you know, it's so over the yeah. top. It's just fun. And that's some, yeah. And that's something that I uh, uh, another analogy to use for for these kinds of books and like and this kind of style, too, because like we always talk about the 90s of it all. But like to me, this is a way of like the 90s of it all, but like done like right and like fun because it's just so right over the top it's so there was a panel that i stared at where it was um i think it was jean paul batman coming out of yeah. the sensory deprivation take and there was one panel where like his it's just his his arm like just, oh yeah like in the foreground he's arm. like climbing out right 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 yeah and, and he's dripping with water yeah yeah and i'm like that is just the most 90s fucking thing it's like it's like sylvester stallone like uh coming up out of the mist and demolition man you know, and you, you just see just all this like freaking like insane cartoonish muscle, you know, right, he's right, like, right. Um, you know, it's like he's emerging from like, I will say this. A lot of the 90s stuff, um, when you when you go back and read it, reread it these days is kind of poorly drawn, like structure doesn't really work very well. It's a lot of style over substance. And I never got that vibe in both of these issues from Vince. Like, I feel like the art just it was very 90s. It was very scratchy. It was very stylized, but it all felt like there was structure there. There was good, solid cartooning underneath it. I, oh, yeah. Basically, for all of this, Graham Nolan and Mike Manley are the other two artists on uh, Detective and Batman. And uh, like I felt Mike the Manley? same way. Yeah, all the, all the issues. I feel like the art was just very, very, very good. Like, 
I don't yeah. know. This was just a good I, I, week for Batman. I think there's, you know, I, I really haven't thought about it until just you bringing it up of, uh, of the over stylized, um, like maybe from like a, a draft person, uh, perspective, the, the art isn't as like solid as like some more modern day artwork can be. And yeah. I think maybe that, that maybe from the nineties, that is an early two thousands, that has kind of been an overcorrection because a lot of mainstream books that I see nowadays, sure. where, like I look at the art and I'm like, it's good you know and it's solid and like they tell the story well but it's like not as like you know it's like like people might forget that it took kirby actually a a bit to be as recognized um as as he rightfully is now because sometimes back in the day when like in the 70s and stuff like people would some comics fans would be like well but yeah but he doesn't draw like anatomy as good as like neil adams you know and it's just like Sure, but like the the reason why he became so popular, influential is because the drawings were so wild and and passionate, and like you could you get the energy from right, it, and you right. get like and and the risk you take though when you do that is that like a lot of other things might get lost. Like it's a hard, it, it's a it's like a high wire, right? Act. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, you walk that line, and it's like too much style, and the whole thing falls apart, but too much craft and it's just kind yeah. of bland oh my god can, can you know what for for a filler episode um i should have you read and i'll reread them the uh art versus craft debate that went on in the uh comics journal uh letters uh it oh god i don't i can't i can't wait into this jason i will come out with so many hot takes that everyone is already uh, but it was so, man like, <laughs> it, it was just like months of like james kolchaka and like a few other people like going back and forth over like the nature of art versus craft yeah i mean it's it's like when you look at um in understanding comics for example when they they have that sliding scale of like most recognizable face but extremely cartooned it's like the smiley the yellow smiley face and then it's like a real life photo of a man the the range is in there and some people leave lean closer to the real life photo of the guy with a lot of structure and a lot of craft and some people lean a little bit towards the smiley face with a lot of just like cartooning and emotion and yeah i don't think there's a wrong way to do it but but i will say there is preference i do have personal preference with a lot of this stuff and uh Man, I love these issues. I feel like these oh, issues yeah. walk the line, walk the line so, so well. Oh, really? Well, there's a lot of I think that's why I compared it to fast food, because like, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, it's right. a lot of fun. And I, and I, and it's like not uh, highfalutin. Yeah, and it is. It is fast food, though, because like I read these and I was like, should I go out and buy Shadow of the Bat 19 and 20 in paper? And I was like, no. I don't really want to like I loved these issues, but I don't yeah. really want to have these issues. Yeah. Might be might might be reasonably priced original art for some of these issues. Maybe, maybe. I might get that. That's a good point. You know, that'd be fun. Let's get into some uh more night quest. Night quest. Should, <laughs> should we do like a lounge? I'm just testing stuff out. Okay, yeah, yeah. Night yeah. Hit quest. Me, hit me. 
It's a <laughs> night quest. Like that right, uh, that's old the hook. SNL that's the hook Bill right Murray there. bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hook right there. <laughs> night quest continues in Detective Comics 668 by Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan. And in Batman 501 by Doug Munch and Mike Manley. Detective kicks off right where we left it. Asriel on his bat subway about to slam into the subway train coming at him on the same track. He hits a button. The cockpit spins around in his bat subway. Jet engines shoot him away from the train as it was just about to hit him. The jet engines mess up the tracks in the train. People think it, think it was some kind of explosion on the tracks. That's how he doesn't die. I don't, I don't know. The twin cowboys get a name. The Trigger Twins. Their boss tells them about a train heist they're going to do. A money train filled with cash from the day's take on subway on the subway that moves money around. They're going to rob it. So they set up bat subway and then they're like, and also crimes are happening in the subway. We haven't gotten there yet, though. Tim Drake gets a driver's license and breaks into the back cave to pick up his car. Redbird that Bruce has prepared for him. Jean-Paul Batman catches him in the cave and full on tries to murder him. The issue ends with Robin being held by the throat as John Paul Batman screams, they will fear me as they have never feared him. You know, a thing that someone totally normal does. Yeah, yeah. I, I say that all the time. I mean, mostly yes. to my cat, but. <laughs> it continues in Robin number one. Please care about Robin. Jason, did you read Robin number one? I did not. So I, I read it. Basically, Azrael just comes to his senses and just lets him go. Robin takes the car out and then he hides it in a barn. And then it's just like Tim Drake going to school and being Tim Drake. And, you know, like, it, I don't know. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. Like, like, I understand it's still comics code era, but like, and it's still Batman regardless. But like, have, have like Jean-Paul Batman, like break Tim's arm or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, because there's Dang, been a few Jason, times now. Blood. Well, it's just that like there's no stakes because there's been a few times now sure. where like he's like the you know the system or the program whatever takes over and he's mm -hmm. about to do something bad yeah. to Tim, but then always stops short. And it's like, well, now you set the precedent that he's pretty much always going to stop short because Robin stopped short has for the tally armor. man too. Yeah, that's how I, I I I get that because like you know Batman's not supposed to kill, but like you know with with Robin, you know it's like. I understand the plot armor of like, of course, you don't want this new Batman to kill Robin. That's just be needless and silly. Sure, sure. But but like, I don't know, like break his fucking nose or something. Dude, like, could you imagine? Could you imagine if if Azrael killed a Robin in this? That would have been sick. That would have been so good. <laughs> well, and, and it would have been and it would have been out of nowhere. You it know? would have been a really impactful issue. But anyway, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Tim, get, Tim gets away. Uh, he's doing it. He's doing his own thing. So 501 picks up with John Paul Batman seeing a vision of St. Dumas in the Batcave. Dumas is all like everyone assassins in my name, but no one asks me what I think about that. Atone for it and become a protector like some sort of Batman type character. John Paul busts up a couple of mob guys hitting a rival mob boss named Mercanti. He puts McCanty in his pocket as an informant, you know, actual detective work. 
Robin shows up in the cave again after for reasons. I don't know. He's just there basically to say that he doesn't like what John Paul is doing. And then John Paul Batman don't care. Jason, John Paul Batman don't care. John Paul Batman don't give a fuck. (laughs) Gordon chastises John Paul Batman because he kicked the crap out of Bane, but they can't really make a case against him. But here's the thing. John Paul Batman don't care. Mercantes hires Mekros, a high-tech armored assassin. He enters the room full of mob bosses and he says, only the Phoenix survives chaos. And then one of the mobsters is like, look at this freak, will ya? <laughs> it's fantastic. Pitch perfect. Mekros kills a rival mob boss that tried to kill Mercante. Jean-Paul Batman visits Mercante looking for information afterwards. Mercantos tries to snipe Batman from a nearby rooftop. Jean-Paul Batman dodges the bullet. The bullet kills Mercante. He still has Jean-Paul Batman in his sights. Next issue, Phoenix in chaos. So Jean-Paul Batman's dealing with some armored idiot that's like a one-off character. I don't know if this dude ever comes back or was ever pulled from anything. He's just kind of there. You know, I understand that they don't have a copyright on like the word Phoenix, but like if you're going to put Phoenix in chaos in a fucking comic book and I'm not going to see Jean Grey or even just like a whisper of Madeline Pryor, like, come on, what what, what are you even doing here? <laughs> you know, uh, what do you what do you think? What do you think of uh, Batman and Detective? Well, th- I, I missed this. I missed the second one. I missed, missed the one where uh, you missed you missed Macros. Yes, I missed Mecros. Yeah, that's okay. that's the one that I missed. But but honestly, like it doesn't like I don't know. Like oh, it's I'll, drawn. Like, it's drawn well. I would I would go back and read it before you read the the new stuff. And we're gonna right. get a fight with Macros or Mecros or whatever his name is. It's M E K R O S. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna get a fight with him in the next issue. So you know you might want to go back and read it. And Mike Manley does the art, and he does a really good job. I feel like the I, colorist kind of didn't know how to approach a lot of what Mike was doing because Mm. he was doing a lot of like splatter and and they were going in and coloring the splatter and it just didn't quite work right and I could tell that from looking at the issue that the black and whites probably look really great but the color just I you know limited tool set we've talked about this before limited tool set you kind of locked into whatever you know, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. Comics you know, of the I, time. Yeah, I just had a thought though that like I and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the on the show before, but up and up until we started this show, I, I really for probably the last like I want to say mostly twenty ish years, almost little less than twenty years, have really been like pulled away from a monthly reading of books like i think the last series i collected monthly was either as it came out was either preacher or transmetropolitan oh, man it has been a minute for you huh uh, yeah so like i just haven't like with with the exception like of a few uh scattered runs of of stuff that you've done um, yeah especially earlier in your career i put like you know anything that came out i just like you know pick it appreciate up with, like, it with, appreciate with, it with, with your name on it, but like, yeah, I just, I haven't. And I, and I think that like, and and I'm trying to think to myself of like, because the thought, the thought I just had was, um, 
oh, maybe this issue's a little less or like this issue's better or that issue's, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, when you're reading like an issue a week or like when there's 12 issues that constitute anywhere between 22 to up to 30 pages, like stretching it for this time. Sure. Like, yeah, they're not, they're not all going to be hits. Like, it's rare no. that someone right. It's rare that a band makes an album with twelve songs where they're you know it's like that's a masterpiece where twelve songs are all like, yeah, you know. Right. Uh, so, so like, I I I think I'm starting to shift my my kind of view of some of some of these things because I had gotten so used to like even if it's just a trade paperback of a collected thing of like issues coming out like I have a complete story you right. know of it so like i can have a better instead of just like you're thinking you're thinking of it more as like this trade pa- i like this trade paperback rather than thinking i like each individual issue kind of thing yeah yeah it's like i love the uh you know the grant morrison animal man the the, yeah. the, the their their famous animal man story but like i i didn't i wasn't reading that book as it came out like i wasn't buying that sure. in the in the late eighties, early nineties when that was coming out. So like, I, I didn't experience like it as, Oh, this part of the story is a little weak. Like if I thought a part of the story was a little weak, it's like, it's, it's like, it was it's a, over in 40 pages. You're on to the next thing. Yeah. And then like, I, and then I see the thing as a whole a lot better. And I think maybe that's why, like I had such a more charitable view of the end of nightfall nightfall than I did of, <laughs> uh, of some of the individual issues like on their own, because then I saw it as the whole story. Right. You know, right. so I, so I, I think if you handed me like a complete volume of nightfall and if I just like read it in like a few days or whatever, I, I probably would have had my initial reactions probably would have been a lot different than doing it issue by issue, which has just been so long. Yeah. I actually kind of like the structure of this podcast because we get to, like live what it's like to to just go to the comic shop once a month and pick up these books. You know what I mean? When I was looking at um, release dates for everything, basically at the time, DC was like first week of the month. They just put out basically everything they were going to put out. And then a couple of books would trickle in in like the next week and the week after. And then they're, on the fourth week, there's usually nothing that that DC is putting out. So most everything would come out week one of the month, like whether it's this Superman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, whatever, you know. So you really like get these books and you sit with them for a good amount of time. And, you know, we're doing week to week podcasts. We're not doing month to month, but I, I just I don't know. I think it's interesting to slow down and see the see these books as they were meant to be seen on the stands, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely um let's see, try to keep this light. I, I think I mentioned it before, but a great interview of with a uh from 2016 with uh Guillermo del Toro and when he was talking about like just like the fire hose of like everything and everything being available. Yeah. And he's like and one of the one of the points that he made was that like, you know, on the one hand, the access to it is great, but on the other hand, people just have this natural urge to just like want to um and i hate using this word but for lack of a better one consume over and over again where he's like before streaming it it used to be like even if you like rented a movie you know you might rent two or three a week and you would have some space between like 
after like you watch Silence. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can watch Silence of the Lambs and then like not like immediately go to watch like, oh, got to get caught up on Mad Men. Oh, got to get caught. A lot, you know. of, a lot of times Shannon and I will watch a movie and I'll ask her what she thinks after we finish watching it. And then like a couple of days will go by. And if it's a movie I'm still thinking about, I'll be like, OK, what do you think about it now? And she was like, she's always like, Nick, don't overthink it. Like, just can we just leave it alone? <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. What I'm saying is what I'm saying is God bless Shannon for putting up with me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, when I, when I saw um, I haven't watched it in a while, but one of my favorite movies is The Master by uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, yeah. with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and at uh, Joaquin Phoenix. And I saw it by myself. I love going to the movies by myself. And I remember uh, leaving the theater and it was, you know, nighttime at that point. And I sat in my car and my initial plan was like, I'm going to go see a movie and then go get like a greasy burger, maybe from five guys or, you know, and <laughs> the stream and is I, not, is not brought to you by five guys, by the way. <laughs> not yet. Not, not yet. yet. We got to get yet. that sweet sponsorship money. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Just, just pay me in fries, man. I don't, I don't care. No, I, I need cold, hard cash. <laughs> You can eat the cash. Um, but I, I remember sitting in my car and I started the car and I just like sat there and I'm just kind of like staring out into nothing because I just didn't know what the fuck to think of it, you know? And yeah. I loved that. I, I loved how it impacted me so much that it made me sit there and, and think. And I think that we would do better to sometimes even with books like this like we were just comparing it to fast food it's like well yeah but then like you know after you eat some fast food just maybe don't eat anything else for like a while even yeah, if it's right, like right. you know good even if it's like organic vegetables like oh, no, so, just, so you know. you're telling me if i may if i may hmm. you're telling me that detective comics 668 by chuck dixon and graham nolan hit you the same way that paul thomas anderson movies do that's what you're trying to tell me, Jason. Well, more like um, I, 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 would, I would think that's that's more of like a, a, a Jean-Luc Godard. You know, I, I was okay, I was getting yeah, a much yeah, more yeah, French okay. New Wave feel from from Chuck Dixon. You're feeling uh, writing, you're feeling mostly. a lot of feelings. You're sitting in your yeah. car in an empty yeah. parking lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just just throwing out names of like Detective, fancy Detective filmmakers. Detective Comics six six eight is scattered in the car. <laughs> yeah yeah i have i have the uh the, the charlie day uh red string the, the pepe silva you know i have a bunch i have a bunch you're, of fan theories that batman you're staring is actually off into the middle distance yeah yeah i yeah, get it i get yeah. it yeah i'm like is is asriel just like is all this just going on in the imagination of like some autistic kid is, is that oh, what no. we're gonna find oh, out no I hope that, not. That, i hope it doesn't that, end that, that way i hope it ends his, with a dead robin that's what i hope it ends with <laughs> In the in the mind of an autistic child, so it never really happened, or maybe it did, but you don't know. That was a Saint, <laughs> okay. that, that was a Saint Elsewhere reference, in case anybody all right, else doesn't, all right. doesn't let's, know. Jason, we got a lot of pod to do. Let's let's keep it moving. Let's talk about Batman Adventures issue fourteen. It's the same team as the previous issue, but I made a mistake last pod, Jason, and I'm owning up to it. That's on me. All right, Scott Peterson has an assistant, Darren Vincenzo. Also, we've lost the Starburst 
win a piece of art logo on the on the cover and now have a nicer looking header at the top of the issue instead. It's kind of like the Night Quest headers, and it just says, you know, win a piece of uh, Batman art. It's it looks a little better. It it does, but I do kind of like you know, it's like the our our off talked about favorite uh, one of our favorite Twitter accounts, uh, the the spinner rack. You know, sure. I, I do love when they post like iconic covers of like again like dark phoenix of like scott summers holding a dead gene gray and then across the top like three quarter inches is win a new raleigh bicycle find out inside like i'm like i just i kind of there's a yeah i'm just happy they cleaned up the logo design a little bit because it was kind of getting out of control yeah i am too but never forget where comic books came from okay they came from the fucking trash and we we should embrace that more often. Oh, yes, man. they can. Yes, comic I got a books whole, can rise I got a whole to a short high, high level. Trash behind me. You should see it. Oh, Ooh. It, Ooh. oh it's 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 those those things are so beautiful, and I and I, and I love them. But but yeah, not to get too far off on Batman on, Adventures on fourteen had the same freelancers. All the freelancers remain the same. Kelly Puckett writing, Mike Parbeck penciling, Rick Burchett inking, Rick Taylor coloring, Tim Harkins lettering. We have Robin kicking a goon in the face on the cover. The goon is in front of a just an absolute pile of TNT. What do you what do you think, Jason? Like 80 sticks of dynamite there? <laughs> oh, yeah. And we have we have the ventriloquist and Scarface in the background. Scarface, the little puppet, has his hands on the plunger for the TNT. Looks like they're about to murder a Robin. I'm on pins and needles. Let's see if it happens. I, I just lo- I love the ventriloquist as a as a villain. Oh, I've, yeah, I've always... I know. You're on record at, for loving the ventriloquist. The ventriloquist, by the way, is a he's a literal ventriloquist who has a puppet. Scarface. Scarface is really the bad guy. The ventriloquist is fine. Yeah. He's a normal yeah. human being. Well, as normal as a ventriloquist can be in real life. Yeah. Yeah. See, I like this ventriloquist. Most other, ven- almost every other ventriloquist, though, no. Like, you know, like if Batman was real, he would, by all rights, no one would arrest him if he beat the shit out of Jeff Dunham. It's just all I'm saying. Yeah. You're not pro Jeff Dunham. You're pro no. this particular ventriloquist with yes. this particular doll. Yes, this this one and only situation. Sure. Very specific. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The issue kicks off with some goons trying to rough up a guy at a bakery for protection money. He's running a kind of like bakery deli kind of thing going on. Robin comes in, kicks the big goon in the head. We get public enemy. Act one. Breakout. So this is going to make it's going to make more sense. These G's we speculated in the previous pod. I don't think this made it into the pod, but we speculated. Public enemy going to have a dog in it, going to have a pug. No pug shows up. No. Sorry to disappoint. And I I just want to mention like opening up with like one of my favorite lines in this whole issue was the was the goon. Wonderful goons in this book, by the way, some Dick Tracy level goons loving it. Also love the line. 
I'm trying to run a protection racket over here. It's like no, 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 no pre, like no uh, uh, veneer of the, right, the usual. Right, right, right. It'd be a shame if something is like no, no. Just it's no. a protection racket I'm trying to run over. You need here. to like, understand I'm, the violence that is going to happen here. Like, yeah, yeah, I think they did that. I think they did that because, like, I don't think a child would necessarily understand what a protection racket was unless we yeah. spell it out for them, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. It just it just ends up being being so funny. like, hey, I'm trying to extort this guy over here. <laughs> I'm extorting him for money. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get home to my family. I'm a family man. <laughs> so we have Pogolic Enemy, Act One, Greek Out. Greek Out, I believe. Greek Greek Out? Greek Out. Like like Freak Out, but Greek. It but the, it's EA. It's not. No, it, I know, but 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 it's a, but his F's turn turn into G's. I think yes, is the, yes the ventriloquist so, F's. Yes, we'll get, yeah, we'll get yeah. to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, we'll, yeah, get, we'll, to we'll it. get into it. We'll get into it. Robin kicks one of the goons in the head. He mops him up. Uh, some good action from Mike Parbeck. I noticed that Mike has started to kind of like not really draw a lot of noses on people and is very very close to the. Uh, we talked about the spectrum of cartooning earlier where it's like craft and uh, of like full photorealism of a man's face and then the sticker of the smiley face mike parobeck yeah sometimes goes real close to that sticker <laughs> yeah i think i mean they're, they're obviously you could probably have like many long conversations with artists um on this and their different opinions but like it's it's funny how especially in comic books it can be a page to page or even sometimes like panel to panel thing of like how much of a nose should go on this face right you know cuz you might you might read it as like actually this for whatever reason this works better if i give him just a little boop of a of yeah, a nose yeah uh mike it seems the further back in the distance the characters are on the panel mike will the smaller and smaller the nose gets to the point where sometimes he does just doesn't even draw a nose. He's just like yeah. dots, dots, mouth done. Yeah, you know what else is supposed to be there, guys. Let your brain figure it out. Yep, exactly. You don't even look yeah. there. Don't even look there. Yeah, um, yeah. Great action scenes. Yeah, yeah. Great action scenes. Throws the gun at one of the back of their heads. He's tumbling towards you in the panel. It's so it it works really well. Robin is like, call the police, mop these guys up. And the the store clerk's like, Robin, boy wonder, you saved my store. Hey, you hungry? I got a nice. <laughs> what is what is it? Capicola. 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 It's it's uh it's only racist towards Italians, so it's okay. Oh you my know. God, Jason, you can't put that vibe out there. What? Although I do, I do send a lot of Italian memes to a friend of mine every time yeah. I come across one. Anyway, hey, listen, as an average white guy in America with my mom's side of the family being Sicilian, this is the one thing I'm going to take and say, I can say that. Okay? okay. Do you want, do you want me to hit you with an Italian meme real quick? Fuck yeah. I saw this one. Somebody had Photoshopped uh, Twix Italian. I don't know if you've seen this where you, you open the, open the package and instead of it being Twix, it's just two mozzarella sticks. it's it's very good it's very good (laughs) it's so dumb i love it anyway anyway Uh robin gets to the bat cave he's on his bike which looks rad 
way oh, better fuck, than the yeah. than the Red Robin card that was in the regular Batman continuity. I did not like that Redbird card, by the way. We didn't talk about it, but it's just basically no. like a wedge, but then it has green glass over it and it's bright red. I'm like, this car is hideous. Anyway. Yeah. Comes comes in the motorcycle. It looks like the motorcycle from the show. It's very cool. Alfred's like sandwiches and tea before you retire. Robin's like, thanks, Alfred, but uh, picked up something on the way home. So he definitely partook of that Italian man's, uh, you know, food. <laughs> so Robin is kind of in this spot where he is trying to fill in for Batman while Batman's off in Paris in the previous issue. So he's going over files and, you know, he's like, you know, Alfred, leave me alone. I'm, 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 I'm going to work a little bit as Robin tonight. And he, he's like, oh, OK, all right. He's like, you're not going to head back to college. He's like, no, no, no. And we go to Arkham Asylum, lightning in the distance. All super dramatic. And then we get I could feel it. A, a tiny hand. Bursting from the earth with a with a raggedy spoon. There's been a prison break, Jason, and we have scarface the doll on the end of the arm and he's like i'm free <laughs> i'm free they ain't guilt the cage that can hold scarface <laughs> lightning in the background so dramatic and then you turn the page and then he's like in very tiny text he's like wait a minute because they're still on the arkham grounds <laughs> they're like they're like 10 feet from the gate <laughs> they didn't, yeah. they didn't yeah. dig far enough one of the reasons why I love the ventriloquist is that for as like dark as it can kind of get with the whole like split personality and the the quote unquote dummy not wanting to do these bad things. It right. is it is so like Warner Brothers level uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon. Oh, every yeah. Other time. And, and it's it, just it, so great. It's great. Yeah, there's definitely a light and dark aspect to the ventriloquist where it's like, oh, this this man has a split personality and his personality is picking on him and the, the shape of the Scarface doll. But also, this is just a lot of goofy fun. Just a lot of goofy fun. Yeah, yeah. It's just so it's so silly. And it's so and man, like Mike, Mike Barbeck's comedic timing and the way he draws these things. Very, and, very and the presentation of it is just so just mm, just so spot on. And I always appreciate a good, a, a really, really good gag because it can sometimes. I think be way harder to pull off than people think. Sure. Like sure. Someone, someone might think of like their favorite Calvin and Hobbes or peanut strip. It's like, no, no, no. There's a reason why like those guys are masters, you know, because yeah, like, they yeah. made it look easy and it's freaking not high. easy. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get into act two, act two, the Grinks jog, which, you know, probably the Grinks job, uh, yeah. shows, um, the opening at, uh, a bank and then right away just straight into the bank we have Scarface with a bunch of again just beautiful beautiful Dick Tracy level goons oh yeah I think one even almost exactly cribbed with the cigarette hanging out of the corner right, of his yeah, mouth and the I, yellow very, hat huge Dick Tracy vibes yeah yeah that might that one might actually just be like a homage to yeah you, you know uh and <laughs> Scarface trying to tell everybody with his speech impediment that this is a bank robbery and be all tough. And the reaction is people just turning and going, a what? Yeah, because he goes, which every Gotti hit the floor. 
this is a gank robbery. Not robbery, <laughs> robbery. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's I'm like, just, oh, what? Yeah, like he's just trying to be so tough and just everybody just like not like just nonplussed about like gun, men holding guns and not getting like what might yeah. be going on. You know, and then, I just, and I just, then you turn the page and then he's frustrated about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just, just the, like the greatest like it's like, OK, so they're firing their guns in the air and um and someone discovers that one of the goons discover that like he, one of the ladies hit the silent they're alarm. They're firing their guns in the air and uh, after saying a oh, what? And and Scarface is yelling, a gank ro- roggery. <laughs> so it's it, yeah. still it's still an impediment speech impediment, but he's just louder now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just oh man, you know, it's just like one of those like, you know, sometimes you read those great stories of just like stupid real life criminals. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like you, you like you read a book like this and you're like, yeah, that's a funny gag and everything. But then you're yeah. like, if you ever think of any of those stupid criminals, you're like, yeah, we I can really see like a real life like this happening. And uh, the and is uh, the speech impediment thing must have been somewhat it's, excruciating to write, but also so much fun to pick which it's words. so good, Jason. Every time are, Scarface talks, I'm like, I'm on board. Yeah, this jog is going like clockwork. This yeah. jog. <laughs> oh, God. J- just like the, like, I can just picture the, like, I mean, they do have the close up in the panel, but like just the dramatic kind of pull in. And this right. jog is going like clockwork. <laughs> and it's like, please yeah. take me seriously. The, you know, it's like, I, oh. The panel before it. Uh, the young woman is hiding under the desk and she hit the silent alarm underneath and there's Scarface and a goon in front of her. And he's like, this, this lady pushed the silent alarm. That panel looks almost exactly like that meme of the anime girl hiding under the desk while the like Terminator in the background is walking oh, around. Yeah, it's yeah. almost exactly that meme. Oh, it's man, uncanny. Yeah, that might make a pretty good meme if anybody yep. knew who. Well, you know what? Who who knows how memes get made? We we don't right, we don't have right. time for that. But like, I just want everyone, anyone who's listening to this, just you know, you're ever bored and not know what to do, just try to come up with the best theory that you can of how memes get made. I was I thought you were gonna this was gonna be a call to action to make Batman Adventures memes. Just crank out some Batman Adventures memes. Yes. But <laughs> only share them on Truth Social. Oh no, Jason! <laughs> no, on this is cut from the podcast for sure. Okay, all right, all right. Get get to keep going, keep going. We, we got a lot of we got a lot of book to talk about. God, those th- I'm just like the master of like the third rails that you don't want to touch. <laughs> and so we we cut we cut back to the Batcave and. You know, Alfred's there and he's cleaned, you know, Dick's uh, uh, Robin suit for him, which is just mm-hmm. really cute. And like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I like the um, I like the a- the animated series, Alfred being more of a butler than. Yeah. Y- you know, these two pages, by the way, I had to kind of like reread and absorb these pages because there's like Alfred kind of like teaching a lesson here that pays off at the end of the book. And I think it's important to highlight 
like exactly what's happening. Yeah, so Robin's really feeling uh, himself as being, well, Robin and not Dick Grayson, like college student. And Alfred's asking him if he's, you know, prepared to like go go back to college and start again. And and Dick's like, well, I don't, he's essentially like, I don't know. I really feel like this is uh, what I was meant for. And I'm probably going to go back to being Robin after I'm done with college anyway. So I think I'm going to drop out of college. And, you know, Alfred very much in an Alfred way takes it quietly and he goes, well, you know, Young Master Dick, let me tell you a story of how in, in in Alfred's youth, he really wanted to be an actor and he didn't think that he was like actually meant for um, be, being a butler, essentially, yeah. which is what his father was. He And he said how much he loved acting and that he decided to make a go of it, but it eventually, you know, his true calling like called him, you know, but it was really important that he do that for himself. Right. You know, even if he knew he wouldn't end up staying an actor and it shows some great scenes as of Alfred performing and what I'm sure was supposed to be Shakespeare. Yes. Um, but, but, but it is, it is a really good uh, piece of timely uh, sage advice. I, I also like the way Alfred, I mean, I mean, come on, who doesn't love Alfred? If you don't love Alfred, right. you can, right. You know, um, and he's, just, he's, he's the very, heart of the bat family for sure. Yeah. And there's, you know, just no judgment, just like, Hey man, like, you know what? Like I went off and did something different that I knew I probably wasn't meant for. And it was important. And yeah. so the the message probably being like, yeah, you're probably always going to be Robin, but you should, you should go off and see, you should, you should see, see some other things. Right. Try like some- you should, you should still go to college. You should still be a like well-rounded person. Yeah. And, and figure and make sure, make sure that like this isn't right. something else that you, which is great advice, you know? Yeah. And especially if you're rich as shit, <laughs> which is essentially being like Bruce Wayne's adopted son, like you're right. going to be yeah. fine. Yeah. You can, yeah. you know, so, so, so take advantage of it. And, um, and I, I just want to say though, uh, looking at, uh, Robin sitting down at the back computer, to any streamer listening to this, I don't care how big you are. If your setup's not like that, you're a fucking amateur to me. Okay, <laughs> your your setup better take up an entire cave if you want to be a real gamer. Oh man! All right. If if I had like lotto money, I would definitely set up a fake bat cave as a set for streaming. A hundred percent, I would do that. Shannon oh, would yeah. be like, Shannon be like we got something in the mail, but like they're having trouble delivering it. I'd be like, Oh, that's my giant penny. Excellent. <laughs> Wheel it in. <laughs> I, I got this T-Rex off Nick, Nick, Nick cage real cheap. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he can't stop buying them. And he's the, he thinks he's going to flip them one day, but. If you does. know what he did, <laughs> he did. Cause I bought it <laughs> he- like a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enabling him is what I'm saying. He would figure out what you were doing and then it would be an arms race. Oh, no. He'd start building his own back cave. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And he'd be like, he'd be like, oh, shit. He has the actual like entrance through the grandfather clock. God damn it. You know, (laughs) it's just uh, so. So Robin, Robin gets that sage advice. And right at the tail end of the story, there's a call up. About a bank robbery somewhere in Gotham. And then cut to uh, Robin dropping in right away 
in which I really like this interaction with Robin and Gordon because essentially like, you know, there's the cops are all there. The hostage negotiation right. team is there. And Robin's like, what can I do? And Gordon's like, thank God you're here. Civilian who is not. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get it. Yeah, I get yeah, it. It's yeah. a kid's book. And, but like, that's my first thought. It's like, yeah, thank God, teenager, you're here. Yeah. Yeah. He, he even calls him son. Like he, it, there's <laughs> like, he's like, good to see you, son. And it's like, oh, oh, this is so weird. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gordon's kind of like held back by like, you know, bureaucratic process and like doing things by the book. He's like, this is what we've got. This is what we're doing. But like, we're kind of like, we're in a holding pattern. I don't know. And then Robin's basically like, how much time can you give me? I'm going to pop in. Yeah. Yeah. Before the chaos starts. And then, and then we pop into the bank. We, as the audience pop into the bank and the goons and Scarface and the ventriloquist are about ready to blow the safe. As Scarface is explaining his uh, his plan that the quote unquote dummy ventriloquist uh, gave him. And I got to say, it looks like uh, Parobek had so much fun drawing Scarface because. Oh, yeah. The the jowls and like the way too round nose, like all the stuff you can get away with because he's supposed to be a puppet. Very fun. yeah, but also because he's supposed to be a puppet, but all the articulation, like yeah. when he's like, like has has his arm on the ventriloquist's uh, knee and like kind of leaning and like explaining what, you know, the, what what the plan is right, to right. Uh, create the explosion as a, as a distraction. On the previous page, they have a great moment where one of the goons is like, uh, boss, how come, oh, why right. do you, how come you say bees like they're G's? And then he's like, I mean, if you don't want to talk about it, that's okay too. And I'm yeah, like, that was a through line in the Batman adventures is incredibly supportive goons. Like, I know just, they just want the best for you, man. It It is, it is. So it's like, um, it reminds me of uh, of uh, the some of the best henchmen on on Venture Brothers, you know. Yeah, right. Like right. <clears throat> they just know no other way but henching, and they just really want to support their boss. Right. You know? Exactly. Like, and and Scarface tells him that the reason that he pronounces bees like G's is because his lips got ripped off in a fight in the <laughs> joint. And the the goons like, oh man, that's gotta hurt. And then the other one's like, ooh, I hate that. <laughs> And he's like, you should see the other guy. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's what is it? Gut, you should see the other guy. Yeah. Gut, you should see like he ain't even can't gack believe- on solid foods yet. Yeah. Th- thank you for rating me in on that, because I can't believe that totally slipped my mind. Like one of like the oh, funniest running running gags of. Yeah. Yeah. It's an excellent this series so far. Yeah. It's just it's just so good. And so they blow, they blow open the safe, start getting the money because the whole plan was uh, they told Gordon that they wanted helicopters. They were going to take some hostages and uh, then fly to an airfield and they wanted a private jet, but they were just going to blow up the, the top of the building as a diversion and then escape underground. Yep. So they run to the roof and who do they see but... The goons, well, they're about to run to the roof, and but the goons are knocked out, and the dynamite, the bomb, is uh, uh, dismantled, disconnected, diffused, 
diffuse. That's the one I was looking for. And then standing in the uh, the hero's pose, the arms akimbo is Robin Boy Wonder letting them know that like, hey, the the gig is up. Yeah, you see what I you know, like yep. it, the yep. gig is you your know, scar ah, facing it. That, yep. Yeah, yeah, and um. <laughs> And of course, Scarface is just like just sent Six's goons after him. He's I love the exchange when Robin's like, he can't hear you, ventriloquist, talking about the the beat up goon uh, on the roof, and he's like, they've been diffused. Why don't you give up and end this? And then Scarface says, "What are you talking to him for? <laughs> the only thing yeah, ending the- around here is your is your career, Goy Wonder. Get him." It's so good that like Robin's trying to address. The ventriloquist, the dummy, and mm-hmm. uh, Scarface is like, no, 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 I'm the one in charge. Yeah, I, I always, I always love those little, um, those little bits that pull you back in, and like, and I, well, I, I guess again to show like commitment to, it's like, yeah, no, this is this guy's thing. It's like he does not right. Right. deviate. They are, at, they are separate personalities, and to him, they are real people. Yeah, I love again, man, all the act breaks. The, the oh, yeah. Are... So we're in act three. The gig yeah. clock. <laughs> yeah. Robin's going to start a band and, uh, you know, get, <laughs> get some get some gigs uh, or uh, uh, take two. Uh, this is now uh, somehow social commentary 30 years previous about the gig economy. Uh, <laughs> take three. I have nothing else. He's he's beaten up goons. Again, yes, these yes, wonderful yes. goons me, and wonderful. Yeah, let me let me get into uh, act three. So Robin starts beating up goons. However, this is not brawler Batman beating up goons. This is not him cracking knuckles and laying haymakers. This is acrobatic Dick Grayson. So he's like flipping over goons. He's planting some some uh, knees, you know, like he's he's like really moving around in the space. And I thought that was like a good distinction between him and Batman. And I'm sure that when Kelly Puckett was writing it, he was just like, oh, Robin punches goons. You know, like that was the script. But Mike Parobek ran with it and was like, OK, we're going to make Robin more athletic and more, uh, you know, somersaulty, like flying Graysons. Yeah, than, yeah. Because he grew up as a trapeze artist, which that makes a lot right. of sense. That's then yeah, we're going to do know. like like, you know, haymakers from Batman. And this is I think this like moment underscores a point that like a lot of on Twitter on the hell site there's an exchange that comes around of like writers v artists like who does it better and it's like you are getting both voices simultaneously in a comic there is no writer v artist there is just the comic and they both create it you know yeah yeah stop stop trying to split up the collective man like right you know right. it's a team it's a team sport you know, right. like, exactly. is, like, like, is Michael Jordan a great basketball player? Sure. But like, you have to talk about the Bulls, the entire team. Right. Right. Would he have it been, doesn't Would matter. he have been as good if he didn't have Pippen passing to him? Maybe not. You know? Yeah. I mean, pro- probably, you know, probably not and much. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That's a really good. I, I didn't really catch that about Robin's um, fight scenes here. And now yeah. it's like one of those like obvious like i'm kind of mad i didn't i didn't notice it seems so obvious that this is a lot more uh fluid motions instead of the the heavy 
you know, Batman just being bigger and just being able to like, right. I don't need to do flips if I don't want to. I can just like knock this fucker out. Batman also, when he fights goons, when the Mike Parbeck draws it, he does a lot of like Batman will punch a goon and then he'll have like their heads kind of ring like with so, yeah. with like jaggedy lines. There's none of that with Robin. Robin's hitting a little softer than Batman is. And I, I think that that's a nice distinction between the two. So Robin beats up the goons. Scarface is like, Gravo, Robin, Robin. <laughs> now I'm giving you 60 seconds to clear out. You can't defuse this one. And he's got just like an absolute pile of TNT sticks. And hostages are coming out of the out of the bank. Robin's saying, keep your men back. It's going to blow any second. And he's like, what about the ventriloquist? And then Scarface goes back into the bank. Scarface is in there. He's got a sack from the vault. Scarface is like, like taking candy from a gay And then uh, they slip on a pile of money. Ventriloquist is like, whoops. And he's like, uh, uh, and Scarface is desperately trying to get the get the money. And he's attached to Ventriloquist. That that I I stared at that last panel on this page for a while because that pose is so good. Fucking crazy. Yeah, it is crazy that he pulled it off. That is an insane. It's to to paint the picture. You have a pile of money on, on the left side of the panel. You have a pile of dynamite on the right side of the panel. And then in the middle, you have ventriloquist on his back, kind of sitting up. And then he has one arm, his right arm is going towards you. And that has Scarface on it. The, the dummy. Well, he's yeah. Ventriloquist is the dummy, according to Scarface. But yeah, you yeah. have the, the doll Scarface on his arm and Scarface is reaching for the money. So Ventriloquist is in this position where one part of his personality is reaching for the money. The other part wants to survive and get out of there. And it like yeah. perfectly illustrates that moment yeah yeah and that divide i I always appreciate the attention to the character of the vent of the ventriloquist of how everyone sort of treats them as separate entities you -hmm. know like whenever they talk they're like you can't let scarface take over your you know like push you around and like it's and they keep it so separate even though it's the same person which is hell we're even doing it now because we're differentiating between Scarface right. they are and two characters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 that's just like so this I, is I don't know. It's just a neat feature of, of the character. Further compounded on the next page where Ventriloquist is panicking and he's like, Scarface, what are you doing? The dynamite. There's only a few seconds. And then Scarface is like, must it gack out, blackout, and uh Ventriloquist is like, Scarface, please. And Robin's like, Ventriloquist, just leave him. Like Get out of there. Yeah. yeah. And he's get, like, get your hand up out of that. Yeah. And he's like, I can't, you know, like they are one person. So Robin grapples Ventriloquist's legs, yanks him out of there right as the explosion's happening with such force that he actually ends up leaving Scarface behind, I guess, because after the after the explosion of the bank, Scarface's face gets like dropped out of there with debris. And, you know, Robin's shielding ventriloquist in the cape. And then that's that's the end of the adventure. We have a one final page to wrap it up. 
Bruce Wayne is back from his trip with uh, in Paris with Talia. And he's like talking to Robin. He's like useful, but Ray rendered most of the most of the obsolete already. He's talking about the information that he gleaned from the microfilm on the the statue. So if you are reading along, you get a little a little nugget, a little a little through line, but it's not necessary for the read. Yeah, and Alfred interrupts them, and he's like. You know, it is half past. I don't know if if Dick Grayson wants to go back to school and and Robin decides he's going back to school. He's like, you're right. I'm heading back. And he's like, Bruce is like, thanks again about the ventriloquist. Anything else happen I should know about? And uh, Robin and Alfred kind of look at each other and he's like, nah, nothing. See you later. And Bruce is like, did I, did I miss something? I I really I really absolutely loved the like the 50s TV era, like my three sons or whatever, like, you know, freaking sitcom sure. ending, like wrap up of like, you know, these, these wild, crazy ant. It's like, I just fought a bunch of people with guns who were trying to blow up a fucking building. And it's like, so there, Dick, how was, uh, how, how'd you do with my time away? I was just sitting down to have some tea in my study and we're all, we're in our sweaters and our collared shirts while, uh, the, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, just such a great, like, right. Well, it is the 1940s, kind of, kind of, I don't know, the vague 1940s of Batman Adventures. Yeah, yeah, it's it's Batman Adventures. It's like the 1940s, but like, guys, we're not racist this time. (laughs) (laughs) That's a that's a key point. That's a yeah, really key point. Anyway, I really loved this issue. And part of the reason was Robin had this like kind of push pull of like, should I be Robin all the time? Should I go back to school? And I personally have felt this same exact thing. Like when I was in art school, I started working at Xylenol Studios under Lee and I had like one more year of school left. And I literally had a conversation with Lee Lowridge about like, should I even bother like going back for a year, you know, finishing the degree? And Lee gave me the advice. He was like, look, man, he's like a lot of jobs come and go, but like you get a degree, no one can take that from you. So I ended up staying in school and finishing it out. Paying off the last of it the whole time I was cursing Lee's name, but I am glad that I did finish. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I felt that same pull that Robin did. And it's it's weird because it's like such a specific situation that I was in. And I don't know how many people feel that way when they're in college and they're like, oh, you know, I, I mean, maybe it's more universal than I, I assume. But like, I think it is. But like it really. It's it's weird to go to school for comic books, be in that situation, be loving, you know, the Batman animated series. And then now at 40 read this book and be like, yo, this was, this was my life. This comic, this, this moment in time, like was an eerie moment of like something I experienced, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's a pretty universal thing, whether, whether it is like, I mean, hell, I think even, even especially with college as like, you know, as someone who never really went except for some stints in community college, but like, I, I think when you, especially in the situation you found yourself in, and I think maybe a lot of uh, people who go to art school specifically might end up falling into that because if you're working, working, working on on your art, no matter what your major is, 
But if you're always working on it, like eventually you might find your way to a stray job here and there, you know, yeah. just getting your foot in the door and you're like, oh, well, this will be good experience for me anyway once I graduate. And then sure. you might just like kind of like fall into a more lucrative job and you're like, oh, should I just devote more time right. to this? Because right. this is what I wanted to do anyway. And I was like, I was also like. I had to I had to take all these classes that I knew I wasn't going to use, like sculpting and stuff like that for yeah. uh, the degree. And I was just like, oh, why am I doing this? And Lee was like, you should see it through. I I had to read this a couple of times, especially because of the story that Alfred said, because yeah. I was kind of reading it differently when I first read it. Like I was trying I was like is Alfred telling him to quit his dreams is like, is he telling him to quit Robin because like Robin's yeah. the aspirational thing. And he's like, no, 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 that doesn't go anywhere. You should, you should stay in college. I was like, cause that's kind of a weird. And then I was like, wait, is it flipped? I was like, is, is, is Robin is the aspirational thing college and Robin's like the fall. I was like, I, I don't know. It took a couple reads for me to like really parse it out i i honestly had the same reaction at for at very first blush and then i stopped yeah. for a second and i'm like wait no that can't be the lesson they, right <laughs> give know? up on your dreams yeah 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 and then i was like <laughs> you think about it for another second you're like oh, oh, oh okay oh, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I see what he's saying i see what he's saying is that the you know robin will be there after college you should yeah just, right 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 you know yeah 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 that well much like you know like lee said like there'll, there'll be other jobs Right. Yes. You know, what do you think of the issue? Oh, so fucking good, man. I could I yeah. could take like if I was a rich man, I think I might like pay Kelly Puckett and Mike Perbeck just to like I want Kelly Puckett to write a script, but tell him no dialogue and yeah. just tell him to give uh, Perbeck like as much action as as he wants. And then just tell Perbeck, be like, Cut whatever loose. page limit. Yeah, whatever yeah. page limit you want. I'll give you this rate, whatever. I just want to see it. Because it's just so freaking I thought, good, man. I thought that if you were going to be a rich man, you would buy me a Batcave. I, th I thought that's where this was going. Oh, I can do both. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Like, you want to yeah. you want to hit the letters column? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's, let's check out some let's check out some letters. I usually read reread the letters before we go live, and I did not get a chance to. Uh, did you? I sent the letters to you. Did you take a look at them? Any of them jump out to you? Yeah, I, I, I took a look at them. I, I don't know if anyone like particularly jumped out at me. I did. I did notice like a nice like. It's it's just so fun seeing the the power that the editors have because they're because of the original art contest. Because yeah. like they know, like I, like they people knew, are pandering. Like, I, people are pandering. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, like they they knew if they had a regular getaway, a uh, getaway giveaway, that they could get people to automatically be more nice to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because even if someone had like a legitimate gripe, they might be like, "Yeah, I didn't like the way they portrayed whoever, but really like that original art." <laughs> you know, sure. Everybody's praises of like. And I don't know if this this is just because this is like the um the 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 water we're swimming in. So it's just it's just really good to see the to see the love and appreciation and to also see the like the the way the way we now appreciate it be almost sure. the same 
as like people saying like they love how it's like all ages stories and they're told right. really well. A lot of like, the stuff that people talk about in the letters is stuff that we talk about on the podcast about how like, yeah, yeah. you know, not a lot of spoon feeding, some silent moments that are expertly done. You know, it just feels like good Batman. Um, yeah, yeah. Let me let me find some letters to read. Courtney and King won the contest. So let's see if I can find their letters in here. Here's one from Courtney. Uh, Dear Scott. The darkness crept through every inch of this sleeping house. A rattle echoed from the rooms and a shadow covered the ground. Twas a villain, a villain by the name of a mediocre comic. He dashed from room to room, drawing pictures with captions, telling the story of Fufu Bunny's trip to the market. The inhabitants of the house reeled and shrieked in horror. But then a window burst open. In flew Batman to deliver a, a lip-splitting blow to MC's face. The villain clutched at the fuchsia crayon. Behind the Batman's cape stood the team of the Batman Adventures. Again, their superior artwork, imaginative stories, and sheer brute strength had saved the day. Now all that was left for Scott Peterson to give the girl some original Batman drawings. That was uh, Courtney Verdurell from Upland, California. She also says, P.S. Thank you for saving me from some monotony every month. I'm forever indebted. And Scott wrote, and suddenly I feel heroic. What a strange feeling. <laughs> that That's such a great. I was just thinking like, man, like especially with comic book nerds, like even if comic book nerds have no aspirations to like actually like, you know, write or draw like comic books, like give sure. them an excuse to like to be even like oh, slightly yeah. creative and they will just man like that. Yeah. Nerds to their core. The, oh, yeah. These people. That, like, yeah, yeah. And that letter must have taken at least some work because like. Right. Uh, unless you're like a seasoned writer, you don't just like dash off that kind of like. It's just, it's just that's just so much fun. Yeah, I have um a couple of other letters that I want to read. But first, I want to say that over the course of the last couple of issues, they've been starting with um some information about the show. And in this in this issue. He's he listed some um, episodes from the show. He's been listing them all from the first season. This was the last time that they mentioned the first season. It was his Silicon Soul, Fire from Olympus, Maxi Zeus, Read My Lips, Scarface and the Ventriloquist, The Worry Man, Mad Hatter and Sideshow Killer Croc. And then he wrote Scott wrote. And that's it. All 65 of the first season's episodes in one or five handy dandy guides. Uh, so. This issue in particular is notable because it marks the end of the season one. And I assume the next couple of issues are, that are going to come out are going to be in the break of the show. Um, I don't know if how long the break was between season one and season two, but it's notable just if you're putting, you know, this book in context of the show. However, that's something we were doing in the beginning of the pod. Like I was trying to nail down exactly when each issue was taking place within episodes. We were talking about yeah. Two-Face showing up as Harvey Dent and like, oh, well, that puts him, you know, in the first 17 episodes because he becomes Harvey Dent in episode 17. I kind of dropped that thread because it really feels like the Batman Adventures is like we're in world, but we're not constrained by what's happening on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, like, honestly, like, I think it's just like a testament to, um, you know, to how 
just well freaking done the book is that I do at times forget that it's based on another right, property. Right. You know, right, like right. I'm just looking at this as like just some very expertly made comic books. Right. Um, you know, when the Batman adventures or Gotham adventures or Batman and Robin adventures, excuse me, when those books eventually start to feel like they slot in a show in some meaningful way, uh, I will be sure to talk about it. But until then, we're just going to assume that, you know, it slots in somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like these books are so expertly made that I think, and I think they, they also like, they, they obviously have like an eye for slotting it into the show, but they also seem to be probably paying. I'm sure there are some heavy notes of being like, okay, well this issue I want to write as taking place between this episode and this episode. Yeah. You know, so it still feels like a part of the world, but it's just an extra, you know, it's just a a nice little like supplemental don't have to read it. You know, like you said with the uh, the reference to the previous issue, how like it doesn't matter if you didn't read it, but it's a cool little thing. Like if you did, yeah, so it's right. like the same thing. If, so, if if somebody's not watching the the show for whatever reason, they can s- still read the book and and kind of know that, but also like they know who Batman is. We're also we're all we're fourteen issues in, and there's only been two books that were that was like a two parter. The Scarecrow story was like a two issue thing, and that one was connected. You needed them both. But like other yeah. than that, it's been basically 14 issues, 13 stories, which is kind of neat to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a really tough thing to pull off, too. I don't, I don't yeah. think it can be undersold. Uh, or, I don't think it can be oversold enough how hard that is to to write and to draw just to produce this this like kind of episodic thing. And especially every story being so solid. I was going to read this letter. This letter is a little long, uh, but it goes on and on about um, the professor mastermind and Mr. Nice. That was the issue that had come out um, before this letters column. People wrote in for this letters column. So, and that's, that's a favorite of ours. I, I, I'm assuming I'm I'm speaking for you, but I I really like that issue. Oh, oh, yeah, that one was, uh, I, you know, I should have brought that letter up because I did have some good uh, goon appreciation. Yes. In, it. Uh, uh, in this letter, uh, Daniel Sims writes, uh, by the way, I recognize three of the Redler stooges, but not the fourth. Who was that? Zeppo? And you were right. It was Shemp. Uh, Scott writes, nope. Uh, Ringo, the professor, mastermind, and especially Mr. Nice seemed to be a big hit with readers to the point where they actually overshadowed the Riddler for some people. Ain't that the way, by the way, the fourth goon was actually Shemp. So, yeah, I just wanted to confer yeah. suspicions confirmed. All right. That's um, nice. That's nice. Let me read you a letter. Dear Bat Boys, I've been thinking and I've come up with some reasons why I think Batman is better than cheese. Number nine, Batman doesn't get cut up, cut up by a knife. Well, most of the time. Number eight, there's no holes in Batman. Number seven, dorks like Steve don't go, got any Batman, Laura, my pet? I don't understand. That's got to be a, like a 90s specific joke for some yeah, piece I, of I, media I, that I don't, I, I don't know. I think that, wait, I think that's Family Matters. I think that's a Family Matters joke. 
an Urkel, Steve Urkel. Oh shit! It is. It totally is. Good. Good pull. Good yeah, pull. yeah. I, I, pull, I did not pull like... from the very depths of my brain. Anyway, <laughs> number six, you can leave Batman out and he won't get moldy. Number five, Batman doesn't smell when he gets old. Eh, speculative. Yeah. Four, you'll never run out of Batman. Three, Batman never goes bad. Two, I like people who write Batman comics better than the people who make cheese. <laughs> Number one, Batman is more exciting to watch. So in conclusion, Batman is better than cheese. That's Joel Murphy from Brian's Road, Maryland. And Scott writes, true, but he's terrible on a pizza. That was a, <laughs> that was a top tier reply. I did. I did. Yeah, I yeah. Didn't quite enjoy. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's if there's any. Oh, there's one other letter I wanted to read specifically. Because they talk about uh, colorist and letterer, and uh, <laughs> y- you know I'm a slut for that. So, <laughs> dear Scott, Kelly, Mike, Ricks, and Tim, I just want to drop you a line and tell you how great Batman Adventures 10 was. The Riddler story was perfect. In the regular titles of Batman, I have not been too pleased with the characterization of the Riddler. I've never pictured him as a homicidal maniac. In fact, all the characterizations in this title have been excellent. Kelly's scripts are gems. I love them. And the art is so fluid and gorgeous that I would buy this title just from Mike and Rick's art. The letters for some reason just feel nice, like just like the cartoon. I don't know why, but Tim's letters are just perfect for the title. Finally, I think the ultimate praise must go to Rick Taylor. It's very, very rare that a color job of a comic grabs me. Only Richard Ori and Steve Olaf do that for me. Those are colorists of the era. Um, Steve Olaf. Yep. Fucking love me some Steve Olaf, man. The colors perfectly accentuate the noir feeling of the show and Batman himself, and they also bring across uh, the highlighted feel of the book. Rick is one of the top colorists in the field. Well, when I was first started reading this title, I was a little skeptical about it, and wonderfully, my doubts were allayed. In fact, this is the first comic for which I've ever bought a two-year subscription at one time when it was time to renew. I have a lot of faith in you guys. Good luck. That was Tony Escobar Jr. in Persall, Texas. And Scott writes, the colorist and letterer are almost always underappreciated. Thanks for pointing out how important they are, Tony. Still underappreciated to this day, Jason. Yeah, yeah, they, they are. And and it, and it does suck. I think I think that like, um, you know, I, I think in talking about process and stuff, I've, I've like brought up the uh, the wonderful It's Always Sunny podcast. And yeah. one of the cool things about is when they talk about, cause you know, they've been in the business for so long at this point that like when they bring up like a certain scene or episode that has something to do with like, you know, different costuming or stuff like that, or like even something that just like, uh, not even different costuming, but slightly different that just like helps sell a joke. And when right. they talk about wardrobe and they talk about the sound people and they talk about, you know, just like all these other people that you don't generally in a TV show, you think about actors and writers and maybe like, that's about it. But there's but a like whole the people, team of people who are like unsung heroes yeah. that like put together the book or the show in a way that's yeah. like meaningful. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure if you could talk to like someone who was like, I don't know, what was a recent long running show being Big Bang Theory, never watched it. But I'm sure if you talk to any of the actors on that show about like how who is the who was their favorite person running the sound and why they would probably gush about like all these like right. little technical things that nobody else would ever think of that like made their lives easier or something. They're like, Oh my God, they made me sound so amazing. They, 
you know, gave me right. so much more like bass to my voice without sounding weird. Yeah. And it gave me blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's just, uh, yeah. The colors in this issue were like weirdly light. I don't know if you noticed that because you read it in the app. I read it in yeah. paper and a lot of the paper was shining through um, coloring as far as for print um, in RGB. It's a uh, uh, subtractive process and in print, it's an additive process, meaning the more percent of color you put down. The further you're getting away from what the paper color is. And when I read this issue in paper, it was like almost a black and white book. It was very all the coloring was very, very light, small percentages. And I wonder if uh, Rick was trying out something. I wonder if he was experimenting a little bit here. Um, Even the Mm. shadows, there's a in the second panel of the issue when Robin's sneaking up on the goons that are trying to extort the deli owner. um, There's a shadow of Robin on the on the wall and it's. He didn't even go dark in that shadow. And I was wondering, I was just like, I wonder if he's trying something here. I wonder if we're going to see it in the next issue or not. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was just a tone thing because yet again, something that I didn't really pick up on that, that you picked up on with uh, Robin's fighting style is that maybe he decided to kind of brighten everything up because it is a Robin story. And yeah, that's a good to point. Be lighter because it is Robin. That's and a good maybe point. Maybe it was just a subtle, a subtle little thing that like, He's you like, know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, try to, I'm gonna try to echo the vibe of this book because we're not Batman, we're Robin. Yeah, yeah, like the, like when, like when you talk about coloring and like kind of like how uh, I remember watching one of your portfolio reviews once, and you were kind of going through, uh, I think it was a, a, a space thing. I think it was from yeah. a Valiant book, and someone was waking up, and you, you were kind of going through like, well, if you change the color here then it means a different emotion and like this thing means this thing and then you can brighten it up if you want but like you can darken it down and it mean you know it evokes right, all, right, all these right. different things and whereas like i think it's one of those things where like as a as a reader you might not pick up on it right away but you're getting that that feeling kind of fed to you because yeah you know you're you're doing the job the way like with the attention to detail you should right. which is that like right you you know it's like a great rhythm section man like you're not going to notice unless they're fucking up typically yeah you know sure like, sure it's, uh, it's, it's just is wow yeah i'm learning i'm learning on this episode Nick. you're yeah yeah uh, i am learning you want to hear the stinger for the next issue sting me baby next issue make way for the new dynamic duo when an undercover cop gets captured by rupert thorne only one pair has a chance of saving him. Batman and Commissioner Gordon be here for Badge of Honor. Written by Kelly, Mike, Rick, Rick, and Tim. See you then, Scott Peterson. Ooh. I'm stoked. I'm stoked for some police noir nonsense. I hope yeah. I hope the bullock ba- heavy issue. That's my hope. I hope I I hope I hope Batman has a mustache. I also hope now that's my that <laughs> now that's my first hope. And then it's a bullock heavy issue. I didn't consider the Batman mustache thing. (laughs) Sit that to read pile, huh? Yeah, yeah, we can. We can. All right, Jason. I kind of had I kind of had a hell of a week, but I bought some comics 
but I didn't really read any comics. I've been chipping away at a couple of things for work, uh, reading a couple of things for work that don't really involve bringing up on the podcast. But uh, I, I've been chipping away at um, All Star Superman, which gets a lot of praise, but I am oh, not yeah. vibing with. I don't know, man. Really? Yeah, I know. Really? I know well, that's one of your favorites. Uh, yeah, I got it. I got it for seven bucks at um, the Book Barn when I was in Connecticut, and yeah. I'm like halfway through it. I, I, man, I don't know. Just what, what's I, your uh, what? what? I'm just can, kind can of, you articulate at I'm all? just like, kind of like I, I'm just kind of bored like I it there's no I realize that the the story is about Superman and Lois and their relationship together and like in this book it's out of continuity and Superman is dying I think yes um and so Superman's trying to like you know he he loops Lois in on the fact that he's Superman it, it's about their relationship together um but I think that because there's been a lot of Superman content since All-Star Superman, hmm. that this story in particular doesn't necessarily vibe with me. Like in the animated show, for example, like Lois knows Superman's Superman, Superman's Clark Kent, you know, and they're married yeah. and they're, they have a relationship. And it's like, yeah, yeah, there are episodes that explore that. And this is exploring it out of continuity in an interesting way, but I think that it's just so well-trodden ground that I'm like, just kind of a little bit bored, just a little bit. And then it'll be like a bunch of absurd things that are happening because they're out of continuity and they kind of do whatever they want. And they, yeah. they're making their own heroes and stuff because it's far future stuff. Kind of, kind of, um, so, yeah, I, it's like the thing is, it's like it's it's OK. I don't hate it. I'm just like, eh, eh. <laughs> you see, th th this is something it, it reminds me of. Um, I, I think we were talking about that uh, Tom King, Mr. Miracle book when uh, briefly at uh, New York Comic Con when we were talking to uh, your friend Kyle Starks. Yeah. And he was like. Cause I was pointing out like that was like a mainstream book I had read that year, which is like, you know, one of the few. And I was like, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Like, yeah, was, you know, whatever. Um, but, uh, uh, Starks was like, I shouldn't call him that. I don't really know the man, but he was like, uh, uh, he was like, yeah, you know, he's like, he's like, it was fine, I guess, but it wasn't continuity. And, and, and in, and in my head for someone like me, for a comic book fan like me, I fucking hate continuity. I think it's a hindrance sure, more than sure. it's a help. Uh, but I think I also understand though from, and I don't know if he was coming at it from this perspective, but it's like, okay, man, like, yeah, you wrote a great story, but like, you don't have the restrictions of all this history that you have to pay attention to. So of sure, course, sure. it's like, so, so maybe that's you. Of what course, it's a kind great of, story. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what you're butting up against because you're like, yeah, you don't have 30 years of Lois knowing that Clark is Superman. You get right. to have this reveal, and it gets to be this like much more dramatic thing instead of trying to right. make this interesting in a in a much so instead kind of harder like, way. It's like condensed into these like because it's not a long book i read about half of it and i think i read two or three issues i think it's five or six total and yeah uh yeah it just kind of feels i don't know 
a little flatter than what I want. I want like a more robust piece out of this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I hear that. I hear that. I think, I think a lot though, like I just absolutely, I just absolutely love Frank Quitely's art and like, yeah, I don't I, care. Frank, Frank, no, no beef yeah. there, man. Frank Quitely oh, yeah. crushed well, it. Well, and he's, he's one of those artists where like, um, I don't know if you know the filmmaker Terrence Malick, but like he did like the thin red line and tree of life. This like, sure. Uh, one of his first movies is amazing movie, badlands with a uh, sissy Spacek and, uh, Martin Sheen. But some of his later movies have become like, I mean, hell, even Tree of Life, where it's just like, I guess this is a plot about fathers and sons. And it's just really a lot of beautiful shots of nature and, (laughs) you know, just gorgeously shot. And like some of his more recent movies that have like done so poorly, but he just keeps on making them because he's a legend. So people give him money to make them like just they look this movie Night of Cups that has Christian Bale and Natalie Portman in it and a bunch of other stars had no script it barely makes any kind of sense but it's so pretty to look at you know and so sure sure. i and not that like grant morrison didn't write what i believe to be a really good story but i think that like you put frank quietly on anything and i just like stand there like yeah sure sure. i'm just i'm like yeah i'm like yeah man yeah this is amazing it's like (laughs) i do think maybe it's covering up some you know i do think that if I had read it when it was coming out, I might've responded more positively, but Mm. I just think that with so much Superman and so, and like we've seen Lois, you know, realize Clark Kent Superman like a few times now in in like different media and stuff like that. And we've, we've now had super sons. Like they have a family. There's like, they've, they've gone in a direction, you know? And yeah. Yeah. That feels more interesting to me, like the super family seems more mm-hmm. interesting to me than necessarily just like just the reveal and then like he and Lois hanging out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I th- I think also I, I might be a bit more uh, biased because even when this was coming out, uh, Grant Morrison was one of the only people in still doing mainstream stuff that I would I would uh, make it a point to check out whatever sure. they were doing. You know, and I think maybe this was the start of their uh, exclusive contract with DC. I know they were exclusive with DC for a bit, and that was like a big deal for a while. Yeah. And it was just one of the last, like, you know, they were just one of the last people that, like, any kind of big character that I might otherwise, like, not really read the book, even even if I hear good things about it. You know, like, I have heard good things about the newer Superman and newer Batman stuff, especially with like, you know, Batman and Catwoman getting married. And I've heard that's like, that's a lot of fun, but it just doesn't, yeah. it's not the thing that really gets my, my motor going comic book wise lately, you know, but, sure. but Grant Morrison, you throw, you throw Grant Morrison on a, on a book and I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm there. Okay. You know, and, yeah. and, and yeah. that was one, and that was one of the last, um, last ones I, I really like, cause nowadays even like, it kind of depends on like the character and stuff, because if it's like, Oh, Grant Morrison's they're writing our whole like uh crossover arc thing. I just kind of go, it's yeah, ah, a bridge too far for me. Yeah, yeah. But um yeah, it's just that's that's a that's a really interesting view of uh that's a really interesting view of it. I I love um that's why I honestly do love hearing people's takes on especially stuff that I really like. And if someone's like, I sure. don't really like it, I, like I'm honest to God interested, I'm like, 
well, I want to know now, you know, because I know why I like it. I remember I, know why I remember reading the issues or maybe I picked up issue one back when it came out and feeling mm-hmm. the same way, like just that it kind of meanders around and I don't feel a lot of like hook to keep reading kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. I also think that that's like that's that's on me because I don't think that's what that book is setting out to do. It's not setting out to be like a Robert Kirkman, like hook you with a cliffhanger, like bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It, yeah. It's, it seems it's, it's definitely much more. Um, I guess I didn't even think about it. Maybe this is like my, my uh, indie comic weirdo ass, like being like, this is great. They're all just, the, he's just what he's just he's, walking around talking to people. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, there's, <laughs> there's nothing going on. There's no driving force. There's no big bad. It's just like Superman's dying. And he's just putting his affairs in order. And you're just like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, do, that does very much sound like a um, something that like if it wasn't uh, a superhero that like back back then the comics journal would have been like, this is one of the books of the year. It's someone sure, grappling sure, with their sure. impending yeah, death. And yeah. it's, <laughs> you know, oh, man. Uh, uh, do you have anything you're bringing to the to read pile? Yeah, no, I actually actually I don't have anything for the to read pile this week. This week was just kind of hectic and that's also why i went in a little uh hard on like almost mini interview with your kind of disappointment in uh all-star <laughs> superman <You laughs> know, i felt enough, more comfortable enough. doing doing that you know but yeah nothing uh nothing much this week uh to anybody listening who might be a football fan uh the team that i support are the vikings my dad's from minnesota so i grew up as a vikings fan they're sure. in probably eight and one which is really weird wild and i just yeah, I just want to mention that it is so strange because <laughs> they weren't supposed to be that good. Number one, and also number two, they're not really that good, but somehow they fucking win. Somehow they goddamn win. It's crazy, and that that that's really all. That's that that's all I got. For, Fair enough. For Fair the enough. Pile. Football, football, football. That's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody. Jason, if people want to reach out and and gloat when the Vikings lose, how how can they get how can they get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me at King of Black Acid on Twitter or at our show's official Twitter account, World's Second Finest. That's Worlds with a number two. Yep, finest. Uh, on 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 the Twitter machine that is somehow much more fun and and much more fun that it's creaky and held together with even more duct tape dude yeah i every time we promote this is okay real talk for just one second if twitter goes down i literally don't know how to promote this show like i we put it on tumblr i guess i don't fucking know dude like i gotta i gotta blast our our podcast all over like 20 discords or something i don't i don't know i'm not touching tumblr man because you know you know you know how tumblr makes me feel tumblr makes me feel when like i see like you know well used to be able to see at a a group of teenagers at like a mall when there used to be malls still 
and they'd be like scary, even though like physically I'm like, I'm bigger <laughs> and stronger than them. It's funny that and, you said and scary. I could, and I could, take, I, was, I could take that 15 year old like physically, but for some reason they terrify me. I feel the same I way. I was going to say terrifying. Terrifying is how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way yes. I feel about Tumblr is that like physically, if I met any of those people in real life, I could probably at least stand a chance. But there's, there's just something about the aura that they have that just like don't want to mess with that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like I, I feel like, uh, Tumblr and co-host, uh, I'm on both of those now. And I'm like, I guess we could put the pod there, but, um, I feel like I'm interacting with them in a way. And maybe this is just my age where like, I'm like, here's the stuff. And then I never check like likes or comments or anything. Like, I'm just like, it's a it's a one direction kind of feel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I posted it and whatever other engagement, uh, whatever. Cool, yeah. guys. Thanks enjoy for liking it. it. Don't like, enjoy it. Whatever. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did my job. I did. I did the absolute minimum. Yes. Yes. It's if Twitter, enough. if Twitter collapses, I look forward to doing the absolute minimum over social media. <laughs> You can find oh, me yeah. at Nick Phil, by the way. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, thanks for man. listening. Thanks for listening, everyone.
Keeping it tight.